Good afternoon, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from Manitoba Agriculture Minister Ralph Feichler. Also, we'll have details on FCC's drive-away hunger campaign. Up first in today's country comment, we'll talk farm safety with Manitoba Hydro. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Manitoba Hydro picked up this year's CAP Manitoba Farm Safety Award. Cyril Patterson is the Director for Distribution Operations and Maintenance for Rural Manitoba. We were very honoured here at Manitoba Hydro that CAP recognized us as uh, a key stakeholder in promoting and helping improve farm safety. Um, we take farm safety very seriously uh, because the number of incidents we have uh, have been seeing an alarming trend and rising over the last few years. And, of course, uh, contacts with uh, our infrastructure can have severe outcomes for, uh, for people and uh, the equipment and the, uh, the environment they work in. So we wanted to make sure we're keeping people safe. So we've been uh, working hard with CAP to try to promote and uh, create some new initiatives and awareness and marketing campaigns. So uh, very rewarding that that was recognized and uh, that we received this award this year. What are some of the uh, risks when it comes to, to hydro and um, farm equipment? Well, the very immediate risk, of course, is if uh, you accidentally uh, contact uh, equipment like a pole or overhead power lines, um, the risk of shock or electrocution to the operator of that equipment is very real. Uh, the equipment could uh, potentially catch fire. Um, an operator trying to leave the equipment, if it's still in contact with energized power lines, could uh, be shocked or electrocuted uh, when they touch the ground. And so these hazards are, are very real, and uh, contacts with our poles and our overhead power lines uh, happen all too often. Any tips or advice, you know, if a situation like that uh, does occur? Yeah, like if you uh, are operating uh, any type of equipment and accidentally come into contact with a pole or power lines, um, the best advice that we can give you to, is to stay calm, stay in the equipment, and uh, and make contact with someone that can uh, call Manitoba Hydro or 911 to get the assistance you need to your location. Uh, should you have to exit the vehicle, for instance, if it happens to catch on fire, then we recommend that you jump as far away from the vehicle off of the uh, the steps or the uh, the railings as far as you can and keep your feet together and then shuffle as you uh, get farther away from the equipment until you're about 10 meters away. And that's to prevent uh, being accidentally shocked by the, the equipment itself if it's energized when you jump clear. Talk a little bit um, about your partnership with CAP. I guess some of the initiatives that um, you guys are doing to, to help keep people safe. Yeah, so we've been uh, putting marketing campaigns in CAP's uh, publications for many years. And one of the initiatives this year that we embarked upon was uh, working together to create a market survey to try to find out whether or not our, our, our marketing uh, messaging was hitting the mark and was being heard and understood by farmers. And so they helped us uh, reach out through their membership uh, and provide a market survey where we actually asked farmers their perceptions, what are their common uh, understanding about Manitoba Hydro and some of the hazards and dangers and some of the mechanisms of uh, damage to Manitoba Hydro's uh, infrastructure. And it opened our eyes that we, uh, we needed to adjust our marketing strategies and some of the messaging within our campaigns to try to help educate and better inform farmers when it came to uh, working around power lines with their uh, agricultural equipment. 
So that, that in itself uh, helped us change and actually shift gears a bit on the way we actually reach out to and what information we share with farmers um, through uh, their things like their quarterly uh, cat periodical and their social media feeds, as well as our own social media feeds and radio ads and uh, even our printed ads, things like that. So that, uh, that was very beneficial and uh, we got good uh, industry feedback from uh, CAPS membership on that as well. The number of incidents, do you know, has that um, gone up or down in recent years? Or Yeah, so we were seeing a trend where things were going up. Um, we typically, with we have very, uh, like on average, about 800 to 900 what we call um, contacts with our plant, and those vary from things like vehicle accidents to uh, kites to you know people actually uh, driving uh, you know equipment into overhead power lines. We categorize farm equipment differently because we want to make sure we have a good understanding of how much contact farm equipment is having with our plant. And since you know we were seeing between 100 to 120 or 130 a year, and then in 2019 to 2020 we saw a 43 percent increase. Uh, to over 200 farm contacts with agricultural equipment. And some of the trends and some of the causes, um, alarmingly, we're, we're starting to see a, a higher uh, rate of distracted driving. Um, GPS-assisted steering is causing some uh, pole damage. People are driving through our, our poles. The equipment is, of course, having to be monitored when you're using uh, technology like that. And we were seeing a huge uptick in the number of pole strikes and uh, which, of course, then causes the conductors to come down and strike the uh, equipment as well. So we, uh, we saw an alarming increase in the number of contacts, and so we wanted to try to see if we can't uh, do something about it to try to uh, reduce those or actually eliminate them would be our overall goal. That was Cyril Patterson with Manitoba Hydro, which picked up this year's CAP Manitoba Farm Safety Award. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. New legislation is now in effect in Manitoba to protect rural landowners from trespassers. Bill 62 strengthens legislation to protect biosecurity zones in place on agricultural operations and help to protect livestock from biosecurity breaches during transport and at food processing facilities. Bill 63 removes the need to confront trespassers where possible by making entry onto certain specified premises without permission and offence unless the person has a lawful excuse for doing so. These amendments establish proactive measures that recognize the importance of biosecurity practices guided by national standards and ensure that biosecurity zones are protected. Manitoba Beef Producers Fall District Meeting start this week. Here's Vice President Melissa Atchison. District meetings this year will run from October 19th to November 9th. We're going to be holding Two virtual meetings for producers and their families who are located in our odd-numbered district. Those meetings begin at 7 p.m. And there are seven in-person meetings for folks who live in our even-numbered districts where elections are required. And those meetings will begin at 1 p.m. Drought will be a major topic this year. And harvest is coming to a close. However, there are a few corn and sunflower fields remaining. Dane Fraze with Manitoba Agriculture commented on the corn harvest. Generally, yields have been lower than normal. We're seeing yields anywhere between 80 to about 120 bushels, typically averaging about that 100 bushel an acre mark. There are certainly spots where corn has remained green and isn't drying down just due to the nature of the variety, how much moisture is in the soil. Frey says the recent rain will help to recharge the soil for next year. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute.
Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Monday, October 18th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll have details on Farm Credit Canada's Drive Away Hunger campaign. Farm Credit Canada is evolving Drive Away Hunger to provide even more food for Canadians in need by engaging the larger agriculture and food community in raising food and cash donations. Carla Warnica is FCC's Manager of Community Investment. Drive Away Hunger is, we're starting, this is our 18th year. Uh, if for those who aren't familiar, it's FCC's flagship community investment program. So what it is is Drive Hunger brings together the people who grow, produce, and distribute our food uh, to help feed hungry Canadians. So with the help of the industry partners from and from producers to processors, basically, we'll collect food and cash donations up until January 31st to support um, local and national food banks and feeding programs. Talk about uh, how things will be different this year, you know, I guess with, with COVID and, um, you know, compared to how, how things were done in the past. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, we learned some interesting lessons from, from our experiences of going through driveway hunger during the pandemic. We've got a bigger goal this year. It's aspirational. It's to collect 20 million meals because we really see the potential to do even more with the program. So when the pandemic hit, we were forced to make some changes. Um, we had to narrow the focus of the program due to the restrictions that were in place at the time. So things like our traditional tractor tours and, and school pickups had to stop. So, um, But we found despite the changes, we were able to raise even more food than we ever had before. So we saw an opportunity to make some shifts. So instead, basically what we're doing is putting even more focus on recruiting partners in all parts of Canada's food value chain, really from producers and processors right to manufacturers and distributors. The whole industry is in a great position really to come together to positively impact food security in Canada. FCC is also supporting um, schools, uh, their feeding programs as well? We are, yeah. We've got $200,000 we're going to be donating to 200 schools. So each school will receive $1,000. So, um, and 100000 of that donation is going to be focused specifically on Indigenous schools. So um, those will be schools that are either located on a reserve or will be serving a significant, um, um, will have a significant Indigenous population in their school. If someone wants to uh, donate, how do they do so? You can go to www.drivewayhunger.ca to make a food or cash donation and get in contact with FCC. If you're not sure, um, you know, if you've got some food you want to donate or some cash, you can um, access all ways of donating through that portal. And um, when will the uh, results, uh, when do you guys announce that? We're going to be announcing them on Canada's Agriculture Day on February 22nd. We thought that was the perfect opportunity to announce how the industry has come together to help fight food insecurity in Canada. Carla, anything else to add here on this? Or? No, just really encourage people to get involved. Um, whatever part of the, of the industry you're part of or anyone at all, there's a lot of people who are hungry and could use our help. So if you're in a position to help, it would be so appreciated. You know, it could be anyone from an individual to an organization could go on to www.drivewayhunger.ca and make a donation. And 100% of what is donated goes to a, a school, food bank or feeding program of your choice. So we really encourage everyone who is able to to get involved and help. That was Carla Warnica with Farm Credit Canada talking about their Drive Away Hunger campaign. Continuing on today's Prairie Egg Wire, we're joined by Gordon Jansen, Regional Rep for Manitoba Northwestern Ontario for the Canadian Food Grains Bank. Gordon talked about some of the areas of the world that they're focusing on right now. One of the places that our member agencies, and we have 15 uh, member church agencies that are utilizing the resources from the Food Grains Bank is 
uh, one of the places is in Haiti, responding to the earthquake uh, and the, uh, the hurricane that happened this summer. Um, and so we will, so our members are responding with long-term development projects, in, uh, agriculture projects there in Haiti. Uh, so that's one place. And the uh, another place uh, I've been keeping my my eyes open on is uh, is in the Middle East in Lebanon and Syria. Especially in Lebanon, there's a lot of refugees that are uh, in that country and with a very poor economy are very dependent on food aid uh, projects there. So that's one example. Um, uh, are two examples of places where the food chain bank uh, resources are used. That was Gordon Jansen, Manitoba rep with the Canadian Food Grains Bank. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Manitoba Beef Producers Fall District Meetings get underway virtually tomorrow. You can go to their website for details. The Cap Fall Advisory Council meeting takes place via Zoom on Wednesday this week. That starts at 9 a.m. Go to the Cap website for details. Egg in Motion presents a post-harvest information session October 20th. Topics include storing grain options, winter equipment decisions, and more. Visit the Egg in Motion website to register. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon, the Manitoba government has released progress reports of the status of fish populations within the Lake Manitoba and Lake Winnipegosis fisheries. Agriculture and Resource Development Minister Ralph Eichler chatted with reporter Carter Kennington. What we're doing is releasing the stock assessment reports and summaries for two of Manitoba's largest fisheries, Lake Winnipegosis and, of course, Lake Manitoba. Uh, that's why really what we're going to try and focus this on. Uh, so fisheries have uh, the data they need to move forward. So how long has something like this been in the works? Uh, we've been working on this actually for about several months. Uh, and this is all about consultation with First Nation communities. Uh, Manitoba acknowledges that Pine Creek, First Nation, Duck Bay Fishery Association, and Lake Manitoba Fishers, who really want to make sure that the stocks are sustainable not only for them, but for the future of fishing in Manitoba. In the uh, in the release, you said that you're going to be working with commercial fisheries for the engagement process. How is that going to work? Like, how will you work with them? Well, we're going to do it all. There's several ways of, to be able to do that. I'll be engaged Manitoba, and of course, we're having conversations online at the website we just gave you. Uh, that's going to start early October. We're going to send notices out to engage meetings within their communities. And then we're going to have meetings uh, with Lake Manitoba fishers uh, in late October, early November. We're going to meet with Lake Winnipegosis fishers. And December, we'll, we'll give the reports uh, that uh, what we've heard. Uh, we'll go through those and we'll table those so everybody has an understanding about where we are and how we move forward together. Just making sure everybody knows where we are. Can you just talk just for a little bit about why that is so vital for uh, for the fisheries? It, it, it's important because when we talk about net size and spawning season uh, and, and, and fishing after that, we know that the, the, the grandma fishes and the grandpa fishes uh, are critically important. So 
What we want to do is be able to make sure we maintain them um, in order to preserve the fish stock. So net sizes matter. Uh, when we talk about Cedar Lake, Lake Winnipegosis, Lake Manitoba, they voluntarily change net sizes to uh, be able to make sure they have fish stocks for the future and for the years to come. It's worked really well. Uh, in particular, at Cedar Lake, they were the, kind of the first to move forward. Uh, and as a result of that, they have fish stocks that are sustainable for years to come. That was Manitoba Agriculture and Resource Development Minister Ralph Eichler chatting with Golden West reporter Carter Kennington. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Harvest in Manitoba is winding down. Manitoba Agriculture has released its final crop reports of the season. Here's Dane Fraze. A little bit of corn, a little bit of sunflowers left to harvest. However, we're about 96% harvest completion across the province. So we were largely done by the time these uh, heavy October rains have arrived. But farmers are generally still very pleased to see it, even though it was too late for the 2021 crop. Most of this moisture is slowly seeping in and recharging the soil bank for 2022. Manitoba Beef Producers Fall District meetings start tomorrow and wrap up November 9th. There will be two virtual meetings for producers in odd-numbered districts this year and seven in-person meetings for producers in even-numbered districts. Here's Vice President Melissa Atchison. Certainly, we always talk about, um, you know, our financials for, for producers. We want to be transparent with that. The district meetings are just a great opportunity for producers to visit, talk to their director and our staff, and see what MBP has been up to. They set the future path for our organization by proposing resolutions that will be taken to the AGM in February. Uh, this year we worked very hard on, certainly drought was first and foremost uh, on our file, as well as crown lands. That's another big file we work on as well. Elections will be held this year in even-numbered districts. And Farm Credit Canada is giving $1.5 million through its FCC AgriSpirit Fund to 88 community groups across Canada to support rural capital projects. There are six projects in Manitoba. The city of Winkler will receive 25000 to replace the lighting in the Winkler Centennial Arena. The RM of Springfield will get 20000 to replace the outdoor rink lighting and rink boards. Carmen Dufferin will receive 15000 to upgrade arena lighting. The Provincial Exhibition of Manitoba will get 20000 to paint the exterior of the display building. The Glenborough Egg Society will receive 25000 to renovate the community hall. And $5,000 will be given to the Killarney Turtle Mountain Arts Council. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll hear from Manitoba Pork General Manager, Cam Dahl. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.